You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. About a week and a half ago, I was at Mercy Hospital. I was seeing Eileen Meinson, who had fallen and had broken a couple of bones in her neck. And she was in a neck brace, laying there in a hospital bed. And she's already been through so much and other surgeries and all kinds of things. And somehow in that process, the conversation came up about, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he, when he says that, uh, you know, if I go on living, it's going to mean, you know, fruitful labor for me. And she said, it's hard to, when you're laying in bed in a, in a neck brace to feel fruitful or productive or, you know, like you, you can do much. And as we were talking about that, I said, you know, um, maybe when a doctor comes in and, and uh, visits with you and then says, you know, do you have any questions? Or maybe when a nurse um, comes in to help, do you, do, is there anything else you need? Maybe in that moment, you could just say something like this. I, um, I got a lot of people praying for me. But what would really help me right now is if I could feel fruitful and productive. So can I pray for you? Can I just pray for you? What, what can I pray for, for you? I would imagine that for doctors and nurses and everybody, there's things in crisis and things going on in their life. They could use the prayers and... And right there, you could just be a prayer warrior, a prayer for them right in that moment. Maybe even pray for them. Maybe they're open you praying for them out loud right there. That'd be maybe the most fruitful, productive thing you could do. We were just kind of talking about this a little bit. And, and uh, when I was leaving, I was going downstairs and I called Larry because I knew he was coming back to the hospital. So I called Larry and, um, and he said, I'm almost there. And so we're at the west entrance of Mercy and I just sat in, in the chair and waited for Larry to come in. And, and uh, so we, we got to visiting. About that time, in comes this guy pushing a wheelchair. He was a shuttle service to take people to rehab. Well, Larry recognized him because he'd taken Eileen and Larry multiple times. And, and so if you know Larry Meinson, he's a little extroverted. So immediately he's giving him a hard time. You know, you're, you're running late, aren't you? You're supposed to pick someone up. You know, so anyway, they, for five, 10 minutes, they're talking and, and Larry introduces me to him. We visit for a second and off he goes to get somebody. And, so Larry and I were about that time we're finishing up. All of a sudden, here he comes. He, this guy comes back with the wheelchair, and he's pushing this gentleman. In the, I see him in the wheelchair, and all of a sudden, that guy goes, "I know you." And it's one of our fellow Northsiders. It was Mike Dowler who had had a stroke, and, and it was at the hospital. And, and uh, I thought he'd already left. He, he was still there. He was getting transported to rehab. So I go over there. I'm talking to Mike. We, we get to pray together, and we get done praying, and Mike says, "I think this is what you call a." What do they call that? A divine appointment. And I said, Mike, I do think this is a divine appointment. You're exactly right. There might be another word for that that we could also use. And it's the word intersection. God uses intersections in our lives all the time. Where, Where kingdom and earth, where heaven and earth collide. Where the kingdom of God comes down and intersects with someone's life, but God uses you in the intersection to be a part of what he wants to do in their life. An intersection is an opportunity for God to do something significant. And God uses intersections as opportunities for people to have spiritual awakening, 
opportunities to, to, for there to be a change in, in trajectory in their life. It, it could be a, a path towards new life or, or new birth or a new beginning. And in the kingdom of God, every moment can become an intersection, an opportunity for God just to do something significant. And so you're driving through your neighborhood and, and you see a moving truck right there. Maybe that truck has out-of-state plates. It's a window of opportunity. You may not get that opportunity again. That, that family's at an intersection of uncertainty and change. And maybe that's an opportunity to welcome them with kindness, invite them into community, see how you can help, what needs they have. Maybe you see on social media a classmate dealing with cancer. That truth is that person's at an intersection of fear and, and suffering. Maybe in that moment, they're more open to the power of God or the power of prayer or just being open to what he wants to do in their lives than ever before. Maybe you see a friend you haven't seen for a while and you know she's separated from her husband and you don't even know what to say. You, you don't even know what words should come out. Do you even bring it up? But you, you know she's at the intersection of isolation and loneliness and she needs someone to see her. She needs someone who can show that she's not alone. Maybe your relative or an acquaintance loses their job. They're at an intersection of disappointment and despair. And perhaps right there in that moment, they're more open to a conversation about God or of encouragement or of love or of prayer than they were 24 hours before. Or maybe you go to the hospital to see someone, but while you're waiting to see them, to pray with them because of what they're going through, you, you see another family. And they're obviously in crisis. And so you go over there and you just say, hey, I'm, I'm waiting for a friend because I'm going I'm to be praying with him. And obviously I know something's going on for your family. Can, can I pray for you? Is there something, how could I pray for you? And when they share with you their concerns and their crisis and their heart, it gives an opportunity, it's an intersection right there for you maybe to pray for someone you don't even know where the kingdom of heaven comes down and intersects with someone else's life in a moment when they could use those prayers because of what they're facing. And every one of you come to intersections every day where God can use you to share your story or share his story or pray for people or point them to Jesus. And they may be open to Jesus like never before because of that. And I know that you believe that because there are times in your own life when when you were going through something and someone came up to you and said, can I pray for you? And you were like, yes. You were more open to it than ever before. When we see a need, we just need to engage it. Kyle Eidemann, who wrote the book One at a Time and, and did a, a, life, a small group series called One at a Time, and we're using it here at Northside during this, seas, this series, and, and our sermons are complementing that theme. But Kyle tells this story. I think it's in his book. He tells this story of an author from New York. She had a deadline to meet. and She's sitting at her computer and she's typing. And as she's working on it, she looks out her window. And when she looks out her window, she, she sees a skunk. And the skunk has this yellow yogurt carton stuck on its head that can't get off. And she, she looks and she's like, it's got a yellow yogurt carton on its head. And she's like, oh my goodness, somebody needs to do something about that. And she's looking out the window, watching this thing unfold. And obviously, you know, can't get it off and it's wandering around. 
She's like, oh my goodness. And so she goes back to her work. She's got this deadline to meet. So she starts typing again. She's just working on this thing. And after a while, hoping the thing wanders off and someone can help this poor skunk. She looks back out her window and it's still right there. You know, struggling, can't get the carton off. Obviously d- dug in the trash. I don't know what it did. But she's like, someone needs to do something. And she's all bothered by it. Finally, she's like, you know, no one else is seeing this thing. So she calls uh, the, the Department of Wildlife. And she she gets a hold of somebody. She tells them there's this skunk right outside my window out here in the yard. And it's got this yellow yogurt carton stuck on its head. And, and the guy on the other end, he's like, well, you, you need to get it off. You got to get it off that head. And she's like, it's a skunk. And he's like, well, he can't spray you if he can't see you. She says, well, what if when I get, when I get it off, then what? He's like, just do your best so that the skunk does not feel threatened. She hangs up and she's thinking about this thing. Like, surely someone's going to come along and help this thing. Finally, she's like, so she goes out the front door to yard and she goes out there thinking like, what am I going to do? And right at that moment, that skunk makes like a beeline for her. Like it's just coming and it's like coming right at her and it comes to her and she just, as it comes up, she just grabs the carton and she just yanked it off and then just froze. She says, we just held gaze for about 10 seconds. And then it just scurried off. Fortunately for her, it just scurried off and she's holding this yellow yogurt carton which she put on her desk as a pencil holder to remind her of how many times she has looked out to see a need and thought someone needs to do something about that. Not realizing that she was the one that God wanted to do something about that. Yeah, but that could get messy. That could get stinky in a hurry. This could get ugly. And it's just a reminder for her that God answers needs through me. You know, when you cross paths with someone in need, maybe they're right outside your window, you're the best one positioned to do something about it. You know, we we have an experience here at Northside called Rooted, and and we're going to do it again in the fall. And it's like this 12 to 13 week experience, and it's just really powerful, and we have a celebration dinner, and one of the things, I'll give you a sneak peek in one piece of this, but at the celebration dinner, you know, everybody stands, and, and there's a series of commitments people are making, and part of it's like a graduation out. But one of the things we do as a, as a staff is we commission them to, to go out in ministry and for the kingdom is, is, you know, we'll just tell them, you know, go through a series of things about, you know, when you see a need, you know, when, when you encounter someone who's going through a divorce, or you encounter someone who is in a, in a crisis of their own, you don't need to call the church office. You are empowered to go and to meet their need, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Every member is a minister, and, and we just talk about that because that's, that's what God wants to do through us, that we would jump into kingdom opportunities when, when we come to an intersection that we would engage. He, he uses it all the time. Jesus did this masterfully. Like in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus was at an intersection of seeking and questioning this religious leader, Jesus tells him he needs to be born again. And he tells him how to have eternal life. Questions are an intersection. When people are asking questions, especially spiritual questions, that's an intersection. 
In John chapter 4, a Samaritan woman was at the intersection of shame and dissatisfaction. She had already had five husbands. The man she was with was not her husband. What she was doing was not working to bring fulfillment. And Jesus tells her, I got living water of which you will never thirst again. And Jesus enters into this story because dissatisfaction and shame, which she was experiencing, it's an intersection. That's an intersection. In John chapter 5, a lame man was at an intersection. He couldn't get better. He couldn't. Jesus walked up to him and said, do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? And Jesus heals him. Physical ailments are an intersection. In John chapter 8, a woman is caught in adultery and she's publicly humiliated. She was at the intersection of guilt and shame. and Jesus shows her grace and then challenges her to go and sin no more. Because he saw an intersection. Public sins or mistakes, that's an intersection in our lives. In Luke chapter 7, a centurion servant was sick and about to die. There was also the widow of Nain whose son was already dead at the funeral. And then there was Mary and Martha in John chapter 11, who were grieving the loss of their brother who had died, they were all at intersection of loss and despair. That is a real intersection when we need God to show up big time. That's why when I'm doing a funeral, I know that that's an intersection. Because oftentimes, very often, there are people in that moment doing what's very appropriate to do at a funeral, which is self-reflection, evaluation of their own life and what matters and what's important. And life is brief for all of us. We're all just one heartbeat away from eternity. And it's a moment to reflect on what matters. Who do you love? Who loves you? Where are you going? How are you spending your life? It's an opportunity for us to reflect and think about what matters. And that's an intersection where sometimes people are more open to hearing from God, from the Lord, and maybe a new trajectory of their life to pursue Jesus. Because they're at an intersection called loss and despair. That's a real intersection. Jesus had a way of leaning into these places, into those intersections, to bring help and healing and hope. And and he creates opportunities for us to do it as well. And and I want us to look at an example that's in Acts chapter 8 of a man who came to an intersection. And God used him. And and I think this is a biblical account that is reflective of, of what God wants to do through you. It's in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. And if you, if you have a Bible or device, I'd encourage you to go there. If you don't, you, I'll have it on the screen for you. But I want us to read the text about Philip. He was a deacon in the church. He was a ministry team leader in the church. The Holy Spirit was strong in him. And he begins to share the gospel. So we read about this in Acts 8, 12. It says, but when they, these are the Samaritans, where he had gone to, or they're in Samaria, where he had gone to preach. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, let's pause there. Why would God tell Philip to leave a successful ministry where he, people were believing, men and women, and they were being baptized into Christ, things were going great, and Jesus says, hey, get out of there and go to this road. Well, because God knew there was one man that was on that road from Jerusalem down to Gaza, down to Africa. And Jesus wanted the gospel to come to him and Jesus wanted the gospel to go there. The links that God will go through, go to for one person. And so Philip doesn't know why he's going there. He doesn't know there's going to be an intersection. He's just obedient and he goes. 
And then we drop down to verse 27 and it says, So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So they're in this ox cart thing, sitting there with a scroll, and they're reading it. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What could stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This guy's riding in a chariot. People don't have chariots. Kyle Eidelman says this is like owning a Rolls Royce, you know, I mean, this guy's affluent. He's got it made. And sometimes we think the people who seem to have it made, those who seem to look successful in this world, maybe they got everything they need, but maybe God has put people in your life. They have a lot, but do not assume they wouldn't be interested in hearing about Jesus. And we know that because that man was searching for more. They're searching for more. They'll never be, be fulfilled. They're at the intersection of affluence and lack of fulfillment. Every one of you gotten to that point, hopefully by now, an intersection of affluence, I mean, if you get there, but once you get there, and unfulfillment. It disappoints. It doesn't satisfy. And if we start viewing people that are crossing our paths as divine appointments, as these intersections between heaven and earth, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world, where God wants to do something through us, just like Philip did with this guy, And Philip tells him that he needs to surrender his life to Christ's lordship. He needs to believe upon Jesus, which he does, and to be baptized into Christ, which he is. The guy's like, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip's like, there's no reason you shouldn't. You should. You should give your life to Jesus. And he did. God has stories planned for you. He has stories planned for you. Divine appointments, intersections, ready for you. And you too, like Philip, have been told to go. Philip was obedient. Are you? The Great Commission says, go and make disciples. Are you going? As you go, are you looking for these opportunities, for these intersections to help people know Jesus? Because there's times your gut is telling you to run away, run away. But Jesus is telling you, no, you run towards. Your gut's saying, hey, don't, don't, don't engage that. But Jesus is saying, no, you see that need outside your window? Yeah, step out there and go, go engage that. Point people to Jesus. Be intentional. So Kyle, I think it's in his book where he lists these examples. I like these where people had told him they encountered an intersection. One of his buddies leads a a table group at a men's Bible study. And he said how he got there was his girlfriend, when he was in college, broke up with him. And he was in a dark place. And there was a guy who invited him to church. He said he probably wouldn't have been open to going to church. But now that his girlfriend broke up with him, he was. He went to church. He joined the men's group. Now he's leading a men's Bible study at the church. A woman said that her parents divorced when she was eight years old. And there was a lot of uncertainty in her world. And there was a a neighbor that noticed the family was in crisis and noticed her too. 
in that moment and invited her to church, began bringing her to church. And when she was with that family, she felt safe, she felt seen, she felt cared for. She said she was at an intersection all by herself. And then someone reached out. There was a young man, his girlfriend became pregnant in high school, but he had an assistant basketball coach that was like a mentor to him. They, they, they talked about a lot of things and he confided in his coach about his situation. And that coach shared the gospel with him and invited him to church. He said, that conversation and that invite changed my life. An inmate said that one day he was sentenced and uh, he went back to his cell in despair. And he said there was a cellmate there who just began telling him his testimony, his story of how he came to Jesus and the difference Jesus made in his life. And he actually said to him, I know this may feel like it's the end of your life, but with Jesus, it can feel like the beginning. He said that conversation with that cellmate changed his life. He was at an intersection of fear and hopelessness. And that other cellmate knew that. He'd been there. But he found Jesus and he shared it with him. Intersections create spiritual opportunities. Intersections create spiritual opportunities. And those intersections can be a lot of different things. I've already mentioned some of these. We'll just review them really quick. So like questions. When someone asks a spiritual question, they're being vulnerable with you. Lean into that. Have a conversation. You don't do all the talking. Listen. But lean into it. If someone experiences dissatisfaction and disappointment or hopelessness, or physical ailments, sickness, disease. They make mistakes, maybe big mistakes, loss, despair, or just a life interruption. I mean, if it's interrupted with a job change or a relocation or a pregnancy or an illness or a tragedy, some natural disaster, a fire, people will find themselves at an intersection where a divine appointment can happen. And what I'd recommend for you is don't just wait for an intersection to come to you you can actually initiate opportunities. You can actually help lead the way into an intersection. So I want to give you just maybe a a personal example. So about three weeks ago, I'm uh, on a Friday morning. I'm with JR and Jesse from our church. We're talking about disciple-making training. They were doing our our disciple-making training for session one uh, that Sunday. And so we were just having breakfast together at a restaurant down here on Glenstone. And while we're doing that, um, talking together, our waitress comes up with water and coffee, of course, and, and uh, definitely coffee. And so we're, she's pouring it out. And I noticed her name tag. It, it was uh, all decorated. And, uh, and I just said, Mary, I said, we're going to pray here in just a second. Can we pray for you? Is there anything we could pray for you for? There was nothing about her countenance that would tell me like she was desperate for prayer or anything like that. I just said that. And she just paused and looked at us and she said, yes, yes, there is. My daughter died on January 2nd and I'm struggling and I'm angry. I'm so sorry, Mary. We will pray for that. Right now, we'll pray for that. And I said, January 2nd, Mary, I said, you're talking days ago. This was just days ago. She's like, yeah. And then she takes the craft of coffee and walks off and we just start praying for her right there, right then. We just start praying for her. We had multiple interactions with her as she would come up to our, our table and 
I said, did you make your name tag? Because it was it, obvious it was homemade. And she said, no, there's this 80-something-year-old guy that comes in pretty consistently, and he saw me, and, and uh, he made it for me. And I said, well, he, you know, he must have taken a liking to you. He must have made an impression on him. And so we just, it's just like throughout the time, because we were there for a while, it just, we had some good interactions. Maybe the prayers were helping her day, whatever it was she was going through. But there was nothing about her demeanor that would have told me that she was struggling. I mean, there were no tears at the moment. There was nothing in her facial expression that would show me that she was downcast. But just by creating an opportunity for a more personal interaction, we had a, a brief spiritual interaction. And then, you know, I, later we just said, you know, is there anything you need? Is there something we could, we could even help you with? Anything you need? He said, no, she had a connection to a church family and they were praying for and helping, and which was helpful. And, but prayer, prayer is intercession. And when you offer to pray for someone, to intercede for them before the Father on their behalf, it, it creates opportunities for an intersection because we don't always know when we're coming up to an intersection. Like you don't always know it ahead of time. Maybe you've been driving down the road and suddenly you see a sign that kind of looks like this. Hidden intersection ahead. Well, why is that there? Because you're, you're about to crest a hill or something and you don't know that there's an intersection there, but there is. And sometimes we, we come up on it and it's almost, it's almost past us before we even realize it. Oh, that was, that was an intersection. And that's when you kick yourself. So we're, we're on the lookout for it. But sometimes we can create an intersection just by the way we intercede. So let me just say it this way. Respond to intersections with intercession, with prayer. When you come up to an intersection, you realize this is intersection. Just respond with interceding for them, praying for them, offering to pray for them. Most people will tell you yes to prayer. They, they will still welcome that in our culture. So we, we can offer that. And, and so we respond to an intersection by starting with intercession. But I also want to give you the other side of this, which is create intersections with intercession. When you offer to pray for someone, it can open a door to an intersection when you say, what can I pray for? Because now I'm, now I'm creating an opportunity for them to share their heart or share their concern or share their need, begin a conversation. And depending on what they say, doors can open wide, not only to pray for them, but maybe even share about Jesus with them or to share your story with them or, or to invite them into something deeper. That can happen even with your children when you're tucking your kids in bed and you pray with them or you bless them before uh, you leave the room. And I know when you're leaving the room and they're like, Dad, Mom. You know, sometimes it's just to delay the, the going to bed thing. But when you pray with your kids, you're also opening their heart in that moment to some things. That sometimes when they say, Dad, Mom, you've just created an intersection through intercession. And what they say Nate, next becomes an opportunity to, to share your heart or share what God would say to their concern. Don't assume people are near you by accident. That person next to you on the plane or at the doctor's office or at the sporting event or the server at your table, those may be divine appointments, intersections that God has put in place and, and the reason you should engage that is because you have the real treasure. You have something of such value that everything else is nothing in comparison. 
Like you would get rid of everything else because of what you have in Jesus. Let me just show you a great example of this. It's just, it's one verse. Jesus tells a story. It only takes one verse to tell it. It's Matthew 13, 44, where he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. The reason he gave up everything he had is because he knew that there was a treasure in that field that was worth far more than everything else he had combined and more. People thought he was crazy. He started selling everything he had. And like, he's going through a midlife crisis. And then he bought a field with nothing on it. This was an investment property. Like, what are you doing? You just... You just gave, used all your retirement, you used all of your savings, you, you used everything from the, the sell of your house to buy this field. Why would you do that? doesn't make sense. He's, we need a power of attorney. So we, need, we need something to do the thinking for him. Well, it's because they didn't know what he had. Why would you spend $595,000 on this field? Well, because I found $5 million in the field. And if you own the field, you get what's in the field. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like that. People look at you at what you're sacrificing and what you're doing and think, That's, well, why would you do that? Because you have a treasure. The treasure of Jesus. The treasure of eternal life. The kingdom of heaven that you belong to. That far exceeds anything. That's why Jesus said, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Because the whole world is nothing compared to the kingdom of God. So because of that, every person's better off with Jesus than without him. Even the one with, with the Rolls Royce, even the one with the Ford F-250 Super Duty truck, that would be awesome. Even the one who lives in the mansion on the hill, who's set for retirement, has everything this world has to offer, Jesus would say, you got nothing if you don't have the kingdom. And so as you look out your back window and you see someone stuck in their need, What you see is an opportunity to help someone, to engage someone. You may not feel qualified. You may feel unqualified to do it. Yet you're the answer to their prayer. You are the answer to their prayer. So you're the best person to step in and do something or say something. Make it your mission to spend your life at other people's intersections. It's a sacred privilege and a joy when you get to be a part of something like that. Where God would use you help bring heaven to earth. It's beautiful. This room right now, right here in this moment, this is an intersection because you're here. This is an intersection. That's why divine appointment happens in here all the time. Your need is met with the grace of Jesus. And for some of you, it's right now. You came to church today and you, or you're watching today and you're struggling and Maybe there's secrets that other people don't know about, but you're here and God wants to meet you right now. And maybe you're here right now and you've put off making Jesus the Lord of your life. Man, you, like a woman at a well, you're just completely unfulfilled with what this world has offered you. And right now today, you can come to Jesus and you receive his grace and his salvation. You can be filled with him and 
You can choose to believe upon him and like this Ethiopian, be baptized into Christ. Here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? You should. The greatest treasure is found here. There's, there's nothing this world has to offer that could compare. And so God has you right now in a place where he wants to enter, act with you, intercede for you, intersect with you. Maybe for some in this room, maybe you're coming to the Willie Robertson thing today at 2.30 or at 6. And at 2.30, there's still some seats available. Maybe you've got some people you can invite to come. And God can use that moment as an intersection for them. To come hear someone they'd be interested in hearing from, but hear what he has to say, which points to the kingdom. You know, this weekend, we had 145 men go to our Kingdom Men Conference. And it was, it was absolutely moving and powerful this weekend. That's why some of the guys around you look really tired. I think I got home like at midnight. Yeah. So if someone's away, if, if someone just woke up because we're clapping, just know they were probably at Kingdom Men. That's probably what happened. We, some of these guys just drove in this morning. So it was just, it was powerful what God did. But that was a place of, of intersection where God was doing something powerful. It's not an accident that you're here. It's a privilege to meet you in this intersection right here. So maybe God's just inviting some of you today to make a decision, to follow him, to pursue him, to give up something else that you're pursuing to follow Jesus. And, and if that's you, I'd love to meet with you today. I would love to pray with you. I'd love to visit you. I'm going to be going out to these double doors here in just a second. I'd love to meet you there. If you're watching online, you can see on your screen right now how you could get a hold of us just to begin a conversation. Well, what it would look like to follow Jesus and to submit your life to his lordship. Today's the day where we Commit everything to him. I surrender all to him. It's a day as you leave today, even as you, you give to the Lord and to the advancement of his kingdom. There's boxes at the back of the room to do that. And on the screen, it shows you how to do that as well. But I think there's another response I also want you to take today. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now because it's going to require a, a personal commitment from you. Where I, I'm going to ask a series of questions, four questions, where I would love for you to respond, I will. I will. And when you respond to this, uh, it may be that, that you're like, I hope I will. Okay, then just say as a prayer, I will with the strength that God provides. I will as the Holy Spirit empowers me. I will as God leads me and fills me to do this. Even in my insecurities and, and fears, God, I'm, I'm just going to commit this to you right now. And just say, I will. This is like rehearsal. This is rehearsal. You're rehearsing in your mind. You're reminding yourself of what you ought to do, what you should do as you leave today. And so I want to make a series of statements, and I'm just going to say, will you? And you can say, I will. So let's think through some intersections. When you're driving through a neighborhood and you see a moving truck, will you welcome them with kindness or check on their needs or see how you can help and you would say when you through social media or through word from someone else or whatever it is you find someone who's just dealing with a crisis it could be a health crisis it could be a family crisis it could be a relationship crisis as you look out your window and see that need would you would you reach out and pray for them in that moment of need, will you? When you're in a 
hospital waiting room and you're waiting on someone else or something else, but then you see this family and they're in crisis, they're waiting, they're concerned. Would you go over and just say, hey, I'm, I'm here to support and pray for a friend, but I, mean, I know you guys obviously have something going on too. Could, could I pray for you? How could I pray for you? Would you be willing to do that? When you encounter someone with questions, dissatisfaction, disappointment, hopelessness, physical ailments, mistakes, loss, despair, interruptions, would you engage them with the prayer and with the gospel and be willing in that moment just to share your story of the difference Jesus has made in your life? Will you? That's our prayer. I'd even like to ask, who could you even talk about this with today or tomorrow? There's someone that you could just talk about. Man, we were talking about this divine appointment, intersections, and how God wants to use this. And maybe, maybe you can ask someone else to pray for you that you'd be willing to do this. Maybe someone say, hey, help me do this. Let's talk. Maybe let's share stories together of when God gives us opportunities so that we can encourage one another to be a part of his purpose, his plan, his mission for our lives. So we want this to be our prayer. So right now, Corey's going to lead us through the Lord's Prayer. This is going to be our prayer. And Corey's just going to lead us through this Lord's Prayer, and we're going to sing together. And, and the reason for this is because we want His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want His kingdom to come, His will to be done. And we're recognizing that we, in partnership with Him, are a part of His kingdom coming here, that we live it out here. We we look for these opportunities to help other people know Jesus. And so we want this to be our prayer and then we're going to sing. And as we sing, I'd love to meet you right over here at these double doors. Let's sing together. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.